The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Voice America welcomes you to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Now, here's the host and CEO of BR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. Good morning, everybody. As you all know, we've been talking a lot about crisis communications and what's in the news and analyzing it. So having the point of view of a super criminal defense attorney will add a lot of perspective and interesting information, especially with David Kestenbaum, because... He's very in the know with what's going on in the news and news analysis. He should be, you know, sort of a, you know, a legal analysis on talk shows, and I think he wants to be, and this might be the beginning of it. Welcome, David. Thank you, Cindy. Good morning. Well, first and foremost, I have to say to you something really important, okay? This is really yes. important. Somehow, some way, okay, the book that I autographed to you is in my car. So I know it's your book because I wrote, to David Kestenbaum, okay? <laughs> so somebody else, probably another David, okay, um, you know, took home Well, I was having book. such a good time last night. I must admit I left forgetting it. So. You know, so I have it, and it's safe, and it'll be returned to its rightful owner. So Thank there's you. no need for, you know, uh, you don't have to accuse me of stealing anything and defend me. <laughs> All right? Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit, just for introduction purposes, about your journey in getting to criminal defense? Because I find that, you know, people who choose this line of law, you know, usually have a very, very interesting background. Either they were prosecutors or they worked for the DA's office or, you know, they did. there's a very interesting element that generally includes public service and then you evolve into the darker side of charging people money, which sometimes you have to do. Well, we call <laughs> it working for a living. Uh, I had sort of a, a mixed bag after I clerked when I was in law school for the Los, uh, Santa Monica City Attorney's Office for two years and uh, upon graduating opened my own practice. Uh, so I did criminal defense first uh, after about seven years, I was offered a job as a senior prosecutor by the Los Angeles City Attorney's Office, and at the time had two young children and decided that it's a better hours are kept by prosecutors. In other words, I could be home. So I planned on doing that for about three years, and after nine years uh, of doing some very high-profile prosecutions in that office, I was a friend of mine became a judge, and I took over his criminal defense practice, and since 92, I've been back, working my way back into heaven, as I put it. Uh, well, in, you know, but interim, you really seem to like it. I mean, you know, you seem to really enjoy what you do and like the fight. I mean, you know, you really, when you are in criminal defense, you really have to be a fighter 
for people's rights. I mean, that's what you live to do. I mean, Correct. And, and what I do is, and what I explain often to people is, we are the, the last bastion to make sure that the government does things correctly in enforcing laws. And believe it or not, and, and the more and more social media that comes out, that, that stories spread quickly, the public has come to know that it isn't always the first blush that you see in the newspaper that is the actual story. And our job is to always ferret through the, the initial uh, you know, uh, facts of a case that come out and get to the real story. And that's what we prove in a courtroom. That's why I tell people, for instance, on the Casey Anthony case that, that you've written about, that the public had this one view, but it was based mainly on news reports that were not based on the facts presented in that case. And our job as criminal defense attorneys are to deal within the four walls of that courtroom and let 12 people of a jury decide whether our client is guilty of the crimes charged, and if so, the judge will decide what the actual punishment should be. Well, the interesting thing is, in the businesses that you and I both do, you know, I'm a news expert, you're a law expert. And, you know, there are many times where, particularly in this culture, you mentioned social media, where in the public's eye, the two get intermingled. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like the public will read the newspapers sometimes, and they'll read the gossip, and they'll listen to TMZ, particularly when you have, you know, um, a celebrity figure. And they don't understand that there's a different kind of thing going in the courtroom most of the time. So all they're seeing is, you know, the gossip and the spin and Lindsay Lohan walking out of the courtroom without really knowing everything that went down inside, right? Right, Dick, absolutely. And, and often they may never know what happened inside if they don't go and if they don't participate in the process. I mean, the number of people that you and I know that have actually served on jury duty is quite small. And, you know, that's the public's ability to really, if you want to see what really goes on in a case, serve your jury time and be one of the people that a case gets presented to. And oftentimes, Uh, and even I think, you know, oftentimes after everything's over, the jurors are told that they can't talk about it. I mean, sometimes they're allowed to, but there are oftentimes where they're really sort of silenced, right? Correct. And it's, it's actually become more and more anonymous where, uh, you know, when I started 32 years ago, we used to actually be able to voir dire jurors of their names, their neighborhoods, what magazines they read. Now we don't even get their names. We get a number. So it's, it's a little bit more anonymous as far as juries are, are concerned. And, and actually part of my job as a criminal defense attorney that does represent, you know, athletes and actors, et cetera, is to keep them, uh, I hate to say it, but out of the press while their cases are pending because, you know, the press can often is going to look for the juiciest details. Like you said, you know, they're going to show, talk about Lindsay Lohan's pantsuit instead of her progress in her drug treatment program. Well, that, no, that's very, very true. And but there's often times where, um, you know, an attorney will, you know, whether it's morally right or not, really appeal to... The, you know, to the news courtroom, for lack of a better description, you know, the press trials, in addition right. to what they're doing inside of a courtroom. And, you know, the first person that comes to mind is Gloria Allred. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like you could almost predict who she's going to represent, you know, the poor soul, and who she's going to have a news conference for, even before it goes to court. 
Absolutely, and that's her, you know, that she is drawn like a, uh, you know, an insect to a light to these publicity-type cases. Uh, you'll see her with her arm around somebody like they've been friends for 10 years and they met 10 minutes ago. But that's her, you know, she serves a purpose, though, for those individuals uh, to get their story out, and she's doing it for her practice, and that's how she makes a living. But again, those are often, you know, the people that go and try and get their public uh, story across or try the case in the press, they don't have a good case often. And it's easier to sway the public than it is the lawyers and the judges when you're dealing with actual facts and law. Yes, so the judges I, frequently get annoyed if it's too public before it right. gets to the court. And that's why you see judges issuing gag orders on certain cases telling the attorneys, stop giving news conferences out on the courtroom steps. Uh, you know, it does my client no good to be seen walking around in a courtroom, so I don't throw press conferences. Often it's the prosecution because they know that the public is generally law and order, and if they get their first you know, uh, shot at putting out that this person is guilty, etc. Those are potential jurors out there that are going to now be, in my opinion, poisoned by somebody saying this is what the facts are going to be. No, that's uh, exactly when, right. when I was a prosecutor in filing cases, you know, when you file a case, you're dealing with a one-sided story generally, and that it's a fluid criminal defense is very fluid and. Every, Every day you learn something more about your case that changes the way you're going to approach it, defend it, and the way it should be prosecuted. That's absolutely true. You have to rely on a lot of expert witnesses, you know, expert witnesses as well in many cases. Absolutely. You have, to have, you have to be very connected in that arena and know who's best in a lot of different areas. It gets very CSI, doesn't it? It, it does, and, and actually you bring up CSI, that is one thing that has helped criminal defense attorneys because jurors want to see fingerprints. They want to see, uh, you know, a, a scientific forensic trail, and the reality is that's hardly ever done. You have costs that the government has that they're not going to put forth in spending money to do all these tests, whereas now jurors want to see it, and we want to see it. We, we have so much technology that you have people being released from prison that are sentenced to life that 16 years later DNA is showing we're not guilty. No, so. and that's what, what you know that is amazing to me that um you know I understand it from a legal you know from a legal perspective but when thing when somebody is put in jail and I want your perspective on this I mean I, I you know it's every nothing's perfect and then years later, because of advances in technology, it's found that they weren't really guilty of, like, killing somebody. Right. That's kind of crazy, right? What, it, like, after a person serves, okay, but then it's determined that they were innocent after they served their time. Like, what do you do? Uh, often the government pays them a lot of money. Uh, the, it depends on, on it, how that conviction, that wrongful conviction, was obtained. Uh, in fact, there's more and more evidence about eyewitnesses and lineups and, uh, you know, the things that people generally rely on in these cases to show how fallible they are and, and how the scientific way of proving a case is, is really a better way than an eyewitness. But for those people that have, imagine the ones who were sentenced to death, that if they were sentenced to death, and executed, there is no release. There is no, I'm sorry, we made a mistake. Well, there's their families. 
There is. And, and for them, uh, you have, uh, for instance, people that will become involved in the Innocence Project in Texas, where a young man's brother was wrongfully sentenced to a long term for a rape that they found later he did not commit after the actual rapist uh, did confess and DNA proved that it was him. But that young man died of an asthma attack in prison. His brother has dedicated his life to making sure that doesn't happen to other people so his brother didn't die in vain. And mistakes happen. And, you and know that's what it does. And, it, you know, it's like you could, you know, go on a moral mountain if you want to. And it's just, you know, the thing about the law is, and this is what I say to everybody as a person that works closely with the law but not being a lawyer, is when people get really frustrated, I really stick up for the system. And I say, you know what, there's no system that's perfect. And our legal system is as perfect as you can get. But you're always going to have, how can, it's statistically, there's always, there there has to be mistakes. And that's it. There are, and that's why, you know, people don't give up. And you have people that profess their innocence for years and years that, you know, if somebody takes up that battle, such as the Innocence Project, uh, then they can be proven you know, later on to be innocent. Again, you've, you've lost liberty. And that's why, you know, when people ask the difference between criminal defense and, and civil litigation, we're not fighting over money that you can make again. We're fighting over liberty. And once you serve a day, a year, five years in prison, you can't get that time back. And while the system isn't perfect, it does allow for appeals. It does uh, allow for, hopefully, mistakes to be rectified. But it is still a very good system. But they still need lawyers like you to help them find justice. They do, and, and that's what, what happens. It's, it's like steering a boat. You know, the system goes to the left and right, and in the middle is, is somewhere where you hope to end up, where people are tre- treated fairly by the government, have a fair trial, and believe it or not, there are people that are innocent, that, that there are more innocent people in prison than there are guilty people walking the streets. Good point. Well, listen, we're coming to the end of this segment, but I have you on for the whole show because it's a David Kestenbaum show. So uh, go ahead, say the name of your law firm, where people can find you. This is your plug opportunity. Thank you, Cindy. It's Kestenbaum, Eisner, and Gorin, and we are located our main office directly across from the Van Nuys Courthouse in uh, Van Nuys, California. And we do uh, everything from misdemeanors up to murder, white-collar crime, etc. All right. Well, we're going we're gonna to get into more discussions about, and I, and I mentioned this to you last night, about what's going on in terms of seemingly a lot more violence, you know, that has, you know, I think that's society. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but more pleas for self-defense after people are, you know, killing people. Um, and, you know, what, I want to have, like, a philosophical discussion with you about what's going on, because it's not just a law thing. There are things going on in society. I think there's a lot of haterating going on. There's something brewing out there. Occupy protests are a part of it. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about the self-defense plea and, you know, why it's increased, according to the Wall Street Journal, as much as it did in a pretty short amount of time so absolutely all right stay tuned more with my friend and really incredibly great criminal defense attorney david kestenbaum don't go away news 
Opinion. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. If you have a question or comment, call in at 1 866 472 5788. Now, back to the show. Here's Cindy Rakowitz. We're back with David Kestenbaum, and um, we're talking about criminal defense and news events and the law and a person's right to innocence and how criminal defense attorneys can always appeal and always try to help those to fight for their innocence even after they're incarcerated makes your job pretty challenging, doesn't it? It does. Every day is, is different, put it to you that way, and it's, that's why I don't have any hair left on my head. I, uh, you know, it's, it's, but you're still so cute. Well, thank you. But it's, it's a stressful job that, uh, you know, I just have always felt I have the ability to do it, and it's a gift that I've been given, and to use that, just, just like as if I was a doctor helping people, and it's... It's something I love doing, and uh, it's those wins that you get, those people that look at you and send you a card saying, you saved my life, you helped me, even the ones that have committed a crime that you helped get on the path you know, back onto being a productive citizen. It's those thank you notes that keep me going. Well, yeah. I mean, well, you're just one of those people, too, that you're driven to win. You're, you know, you're kind of competitive in a good way. Yeah, right. you have to be, and in, in, you know, nobody likes to come in second in this business because it's not a good result. And uh, if you're not competitive, and in, in, in criminal defense attorneys, we're in court every day fighting. All, even if we're friends with the prosecutor when we're in that courtroom, I want to win and uh, do everything within my ethical ability to do so. Um, are, now, listen, are there any, I know you have to be careful, you know, <laughs> because of your you know, confidentiality um, situations, but are there any public cases that are finished that you're able to talk about, or if not, now anybody... There, what? Go ahead. There, there are a couple. There's one that, you know, TMZ outed, so I can, I can bring to light. I just represented the, the first baseman for the Los Angeles Dodgers, who's another example of uh, the, 
a news person giving out misinformation, uh, if you'd call a Harvey Levin news person, but, you know, accusing he's somebody of something. He's a lawyer news person. Excuse me? <laughs> I said he's a lawyer and a news person. He is. A, uh, he passed the bar. I'll, I'll say that. I don't know that he's ever practiced. <laughs> he did. But... Listen, there's a lot of people who claim that there are lawyers that didn't pass the bar. So give him something. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and uh, you know, here's a, an instance where had my client been a normal, you know, employee of let's say Macy's, uh, his case would have been rejected immediately. But because he was a public figure and. Uh, the one of the people involved in the car accident on the freeway went to Harvey Levin saying he's this person's being given special treatment. Uh, he ended up having to be on the hook for an extra two months before the prosecution, as they should have, rejected the case because he hadn't committed any crime. And here's an instance: I have a man, a young man, who's you know wants to do a press conference to let the kids who look up to him know I didn't do anything wrong. I wasn't drinking. I don't do any drugs. I was in a car accident and hit my head. And my job was to keep him quiet during that time while I was pushing forth with the scientific evidence to get the prosecution to dismiss it. So I, you know, I can tell you that I, I didn't bring it up. Harvey Levin put it out there, but ultimately everything that he said and, and the allegations proved to be false. All right. And, so and let me ask you just for a little insight of your life. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you see that, you know, Harvey Levin makes it public. I mean, so do you make a call to the judge saying, I didn't do that. I just want to let you know, <laughs> like, you know, I, that's not because of me. <laughs> Right. It's, you know, he knows that. And, and because that's part of my first discussion with people is how are we going to keep this out of the press? And, you know, it just always amazes me that when people in public are stopped for, you know, even a minor traffic offense, they, I guess, try and use their celebrities sometimes. And that's what ends up. There's people in the news looking for those names on, on tickets and on police filings. So well, they do. It's unbelievable. I mean, news people have like, well, if, especially if they're a larger organization. I know people in research that just go through the files. Oh, yeah. City I mean, news service public, when... they, they go, and, you know, now you can do it on the Internet. You don't even have to, like, sweat over boxes. Absolutely. It's much it's easier. It's so accessible. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of things are, quote-unquote, public records, so they can, they can get access to those records, uh, even where somebody's not going to be prosecuted. Uh, another high-profile case I did that's finished was the Harvard-Westlake uh, young man who was autistic. Uh, this is about four years ago now that uh, was charged with premeditated attempted murder for hitting a classmate in the head with a hammer. Now, that's one where the news accounts said he beat her in the head with a claw hammer. Uh, the facts came out that he, he was autistic, she uh, was trying to help him, and he had a bad reaction and hit her once with a hammer because that was the closest thing you could find, but she had no real injuries from that. And so something that looks horrific uh, if you get into the medicine and the understanding of my client and how he would react to a situation and why he would do that, there's a case where, yes, he did do the act, but what should the punishment be? You can't put somebody who, through no cognitive or, or volitional 
you know, uh, reason did something in prison. And so it took four years of, of litigation that we finally ended up with him being on probation, uh, ordered to stay away, and he's in another state and pay restitution, and that's it. And, and that's a just resolution to that case. But there's, you know, that took a lot of work because of the press that had been uh, generated and a lot of work by me to sort of guide the case through this court system. So eventually, by the time we finished, there was only one reporter that would come and, and do a story on the case until it was resolved, and then it was back in the papers. Well, yeah, well you know, it's, it's, uh, to me, a criminal defense attorney has to be so news cognizant. I mean, so news. And I, I, but I meet some that aren't. Well, I don't know. I read two newspapers, I say, before I wake up. I, you know, the first thing I do is, you know, check the daily on, on, and my, you know, check your, your blog and see what's going on or Twitter account and see what's going on because that's my life. That's what happens you know, if I'm not awakened in the middle of the night by the phone call. I'm going to read about it in the, in the morning news, and often I'm going to get that phone call in the afternoon from that family's client, uh, from that family who wants me to represent the person that was in the news over the night. And if you don't know about it, and if you have no idea what's going on, you don't know how to approach that case. So I find that, you know, our ability to get news quickly uh, helps me in, in being able to evaluate cases before they even come in. Yeah, no, I, all right, well, I just want to say to my, for my engineer's purposes, not for yours, is that I lost my feed, so if they're wondering why I'm not responding on a feed, it's because <laughs> they just got a little cut off, but that just lets me keep you on the air a little longer until I get, um, until I figure out where I'm at. Okay. You're talking about technology, and sometimes I just want to say <laughs> that, you know, you get thrown off of IM, and then it's like, wow, what do you do? Uh-huh. But I, will, I will get back on there really, really soon. But you're doing great. While, we're do, while I'm stammering, why don't you plug your law firm again? Thank you. It's uh, Kestenbaum, Eisner, and Gorin, uh, located in Van Nuys, and uh, our website is www.keglawyers.com. Uh, my partner, Dimitri Gorin, is a former senior prosecutor with the district attorney's office. My other partner, Alan Eisner, is a criminal specialist certified by the state bar and uh, who does mostly federal and, and high white-collar type cases. All right, well, listen, I want to keep you on for a little longer, and, um, I wanted, and again, I want, to do, I want to talk about self-defense cause, and all of that kind of stuff. So don't go away. There's more with David Kestenbaum. Um, right after this commercial break, and I think that you're a fascinating guest and you should be my legal analyst more often. I'm always available for you, Cindy. You know. All right. Well, stand by. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com Streaming live. The leader in internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Get free advice from crisis communications guru Cindy Rakowitz now. Call 866-472-5788. Let's get back to Stars of PR. Here's the host and CEO of BR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. We're back and we're continuing with David Kustenbaum who is continuing to do legal analysis because he's a criminal defense attorney and he's really quite good at it. What's going on, David, I mean, in our culture today that um, makes news organizations like the Wall Street Journal, you know, cover stories like there's more people fleeing self-defense than ever before. And, um, gosh, I mean, it just seems lately there's a lot more stuff in the news where people are walking into you know, places of education, houses of worship. There's a lot of, you know, racial crimes, quote-unquote, that's been very, very prevalent in the news. But I think that it also reflects a lot of anger in society. Right now, I mean, we're, you know, this is the second Great Depression. I know a lot of people like to, you know, wean that terminology down because they fear that they're going to influence the stock market and make people panic, but we are. I mean, we're really, really all kind of eking out a living through tough times. Um, you know, people are angry because they might not like the president of the United States for the moment. Um, you know, what, um, what's going on and how is this affecting the system? And, you know, what about self-defense and, you know, what, you know, you know, how is it interpreted by a court of law and what has to go through the examination and how many lawyers are really good at defending people who killed somebody? Well, it's a lot of questions there. I know, I'm sorry. I'm good at answering multiple questions. I won't object to that. Uh, First of all, I think we need to look at the economy. You know, when the economy goes down and people are out of work, their homes are being foreclosed on, it's natural that tempers, you know, flare. And you have, in addition to that, a lot of states where you can have a gun. And you put those two things together and you end up with, as you say, more self-defense claims. They may not be self-defense, but they're ending up in people being killed because the uh, the person claiming self-defense has a gun. And uh, you in California, self-defense, basically you can't escalate a situation. In other words, somebody is, you know, coming at you with their hands. You can't pull out a gun and shoot them. You have to meet 
force with force, like force. If they have a weapon, then you can use deadly force. Uh, the case that everybody's looking at now, the, the George Zimmerman uh, case in Florida, you don't have that rule. You don't have you, the, the you know, stand your ground basically says the guy comes at you, you can go out basically kill him like the Old West, and that's what happened. Uh, again, you have a situation, if I can backtrack, where uh, all the photographs that, that we saw initially of George Zimmerman were seven-year-old booking photos taken from a case that wasn't even prosecuted. Uh, he doesn't look anything like that now, um, but the media sees that that figure as that's the person. They also see a video that ABC puts out saying, oh, there's no injuries to his head as he claimed, because to claim self-defense, you better be defending yourself. Then a week or 10 days later, after enhancing that video, they now say, oh, you can see where the paramedics had cleaned him up, that he did have abrasions and a cut to the back of his head. So whether he was actually instigating that situation, that's you can't, you cannot create the situation that brings about self-defense. So uh, as a criminal defense lawyer, the first thing I'm going to analyze is, was the other person the aggressor? Did the other person escalate the situation to deadly force? Uh, and how did my client react as a reasonable person would to defend either himself, herself, or somebody else? And in California, you also have imperfect self-defense, meaning you screwed up. You, you didn't really have a true self-defense. However, imperfect self-defense is a mitigating factor that can, again, prevent you from being convicted of a crime. Well, I know that's a very interesting analysis. And, um, but, gosh, just because of the anger, I think a lot more. Well, you know, here's the situation. You have, and, and again, I say with a grain of salt, you know, the police are trained to handle stress situations. The public isn't. And, you know, if you are in a situation, you know, where you think your life is at risk and you're going to use a weapon, uh, there are deadly consequences to that that you may not have thought all the way through. And Even if the, you were attacked. Absolutely. I mean, you, you're just not thinking at that point. You're, you're thinking survival, but you also don't know that there might have been ways of avoiding that. And, you know, when people say, why did the police shoot and kill the person? Why didn't they shoot to wound them? Even police officers, and there's been studies done, if, and, and if you, you know, look at the scientific data, that when they fire, they're, they're just shooting at the, to stop the person, which means they're going to shoot at the torso, but also, they, they don't fire one shot. They're gonna, the, the adrenaline is pumping, even in a trained officer, that they're going to shoot their, basically empty their clip. And then the other officers hear it, and they're shooting. So you have situations where, uh, you know, people are being shot. You had the case in Pasadena, California, just recently, where the police, you know, killed somebody because uh, somebody whose backpack was stolen said the guys had guns who stole it. Why did he say that? So the police would respond faster. And interestingly, that individual has now been charged with the negligent hom causing the negligent homicide of the person the police shot. But, you know, there, there needs to be more training uh, if people are going to have weapons and understand. It, it's sort of like people that are trained in martial arts. The higher up you go in your belt, the, more, the, the less likely you're ever going to be in a fight. 
You know, that's so true. That is, like, a really important point. And I, you know what, it it almost gives you, there should be more of that kind of training, I think. Maybe for everybody. Absolutely. (laughs) Especially where you have people that are angry. Like the, you say the Occupy LA, you know, they're venting their anger, etc. But not everybody does it in a socially constructive manner. And if people are going to have weapons that have deadly consequences, they need to be trained more on how not to use that weapon. I often tell people the best burglar alarm really is the sound of a shotgun being uh, chambered because a real criminal is going to know what that sound is and hit and head the other way. Oh, exactly. Well, you know, I've always, you know, I've always talked about more training um, more security, I mean, and now I'm going to a different subject, you know, it's when I'm talking about the cases where somebody goes into a church and starts shooting people or somebody goes into a college campus, so right. I'm totally going in a different direction right now than what we were talking about a minute ago. That's fine. Um, but it's like the question that I have to ask, and you and I, you know, both know Ann Winningham, you know, from mm-hmm. Risk Control, Strategies. I mean, we know a lot of people. There's Steve Lee from Steve Lee and Associates, who now has a physical security division. It's like, why are I know that there's budget concerns, but at the end of the day, you know, if a person can walk out into a public place off the street with a gun, don't you think that there's a security issue? <laughs> there always is, and that's why. Because of what I do, I'm not one of those people that flips off the guy who cuts me off on the road because I presume he has a gun, and he's not too <laughs> too trained in what to do with it. And uh, if you have, if you look at, you know, as you said, with the types of people and the lack of training that, that people have and, and really the mentality of having a weapon, what that gives you, that sense of power, um, Without training, it's a dangerous society out there. And, and you don't want people taking the law into their own hands and becoming vigilante type, uh, you know, enforcement of the law. And that's sort of where certain states are headed. Well, it is. It is. I, you know, it's interesting. I, China is not my favorite in terms of, you know, you know public rights. Okay? Right. <laughs> All right, it's not. All right, so, I mean, I just want to make that very, very clear. However, in Asian countries like China, okay, self-defense, martial arts, tai chi, is sort of mandatory in people's education. Right. And, again, it's it's that training, though, that you receive with martial arts to de-escalate a situation. Uh, For instance, if you're trained properly, you know that you can use verbal commands initially to de-escalate the situation. There, there are many different steps you're going to take before you get to a deadly situation. Uh, on the other we don't hand, know you... them here anymore unless we're, tra- I, you know, I, I, there's something wrong with the training. <laughs> well, there isn't any training is basically <laughs> well, it. And then you have... supposed to, I mean, look, and again, law enforcement, they all work very hard, okay? They're all under a lot of stress. But I just think that a little bit, you know, maybe some advanced martial arts training. We need a little more of that. You know, we have the Israeli thing, you know. Um, It it gives you a certain kind of sensitivity and skills that seem to be lacking. And I don't know. I mean, I'm, I don't, I haven't watched any, you know, 
police training programs closely lately. I mean, I have in the past, but not, I just don't know if there's a lot of that. I don't know if they're just going into the academy and passing a test and getting out. Well, to be honest, the, the quality and caliber of police or uh, people getting into police work uh, since the Rodney King situation over you know twenty years ago has gone down their their you know their educational requirements etc have gone down because they need people to be police officers and they're having more and more trouble getting qualified people so they lower their standards and you often end up in my opinion you know if you look at the people the sheriff's department that runs the jail the often the jailers are just this side of the people they're watching. I mean, there's not a lot of difference other than they have a uniform and a badge. They're in gangs themselves. You know, they're cliques in the sheriff's department. So, you know, you really have to look at not just training, but who, what, what population you're picking your candidates out of and accepting to be police officers to guard the public. You know, public safety is the bottom line. And if you look at the situations like the, the school shooting in Oakland the other day, is there a way of preventing that? No, I don't think putting, you know, you're not going to have metal detectors in every private building like we do in every courthouse. Uh, so I don't know if there's a way of preventing outbursts like that where people are just so frustrated other than to make them not able to have a weapon. Oh, well, you know, you know. that's... That's good. Can't, you can't have law enforcement without weapons, I don't think. No, but the, I'm talking about the citizens, about oh. you know, uh, somebody like the, the kid who went in there and shot up the, the school up in Oakland. And well, that he should you have never have been point. able to get a gun. No, well, that's a very good point. I, you know, so, I mean, there's regulatory issues. Absolutely. Um, and, um, you know, I have one more segment if you could stay um, sure. with you. Can you stay? Absolutely. Okay, I want to I want to talk about, and I I know that you're practicing law in the state of California, but one of the things that interests me is how much, you know, the sale of weapons change from state to state. It's like you know, liquor blue law. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, it's, and that's got, you know that's kind of a crazy thing in itself. But also, I want you to think during this commercial break, um, other high visibility cases that you might want to analyze. I mean, we discussed Leslie Lone and we discuss Casey Anthony, um, you know, and a little bit more between, you know, civil and criminal, um, uh, you know, for my listeners to find the difference. You know the difference. You do it every day. I will explain it as best I can. Well, yeah, yeah, you do a pretty good job at it. (laughs) Do you teach law, David? Uh, I do. I do uh, teach a class with my partner, Dimitri, at Pepperdine Law. And uh, I teach mainly negotiation and how to try and get to the resolution of a case without having to go through a trial. I think that you would be a great teacher. So stand by. We're going to take one more commercial break. And, um, by the way, you could reach David on Twitter, not that he knows how to use it, but it's at you are, you are innocent, right? Did I remember yes, that right? You did. And um, one day he'll figure it out. So if you write to him there... You know, you might hear back in five years or so, but you'll hear back from him. <laughs> I need your training, that's all. You need, no, you need to just practice it. <laughs> and another couple of hours in the day, that's all. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, at least you have your handle in it. It's a good one. So stand by, and um, we'll have more with David Kessenbaum in the last segment. Don't go away.
Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At BR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. BR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of BR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.brpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. BR Public Relations. We do it all. www.brpublicrelations.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Cindy Rakowitz has won more awards than she can hang on her wall, including three Clios. Call in now at 1-866-472-5788 and you can have one. Okay, maybe not, but she will answer your questions. Back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Hi, we're back in our last segment with David Kestenbaum. And go ahead, plug your firm, David, David. Okay, it's Kestenbaum, Eisner, and Gorin. We're located in Van Nuys, California. Our phone number is 877-781-1570. We hear, and by the way, we hear that you make the best Christmas parties ever, out of anybody, out of any criminal defense law firm or out of any law firm. We are famous for that. It helps that my birthday is around that time. So as I say, I have anywhere between five to 700 of my closest friends, mainly the court personnel, prosecutors, police, and other defense attorneys celebrate it with me. So thank you. <laughs> it, it is well known. <laughs> no, well, we, one day maybe perhaps I'll get an invitation. Yes, uh, you're on the list. Absolutely. Um, I'm a, I've heard that one before, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I get pretty busy Christmas time myself. I'm I know. It's, it's a crazy time. But, uh, you know, it's, it's also a time, and, and you asked me the difference between civil and criminal. The fact that we socialize, you know, the prosecutors and defense attorneys, I mean, we get along so well because your name, your reputation, your handshake is your word. And if you, there, there isn't a client that I've had yet that's paid me enough that I'm going to make it my name and my word and my representation not be trusted by the prosecutors. So civil lawyers tend to, who are fighting over money, fighting over property, will talk to each other and then have to write a letter saying, we just had a phone conversation, and this is what we discussed, and if you don't agree with it, you must write a letter back. And anyway. it's, it's, it's very, you know, like a cat fight. We, in the criminal arena, we're fighting again over, you know, whether somebody is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt of the crime that they are charged with. And it's not taken personally. It's, it's the prosecutors and the defense attorneys 
we work together in trying to get the discovery done and trying to get everything out there. The prosecutors have a duty in criminal cases under Brady versus Maryland, a case decided you know, in the 60s, saying if you have evidence that points to somebody's innocence or even possibly to somebody else, you must give that to the defense. So we don't have to do depositions and everything. Uh, the discovery is provided. It's orderly done. Sometimes we do have to do a motion to get it, but in general, excuse me, the, the lawyers get along with each other because we see each other every day in court. Uh, my day is spent uh, between 8.30 and noon and then one thirty to 4, generally in a courtroom, not in my office. So uh, it, it's really a live and fluid situation in the courtroom on criminal cases. Civil cases tend to be much more paperwork, much more, uh, you know, stuff done in an office. And those attorneys, you know, are, are working to get their clients the best results in a different manner than we do in the criminal defense world. You know, it's so interesting. The layman often doesn't understand the difference. And, I, you know, and I'll give you an example. Um, you hear many times when somebody calls the police because that, they don't think if something goes wrong or if something gets stolen, um, you know, many times they'll just call the police department because they don't know. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? They don't know what to do. And so they, they learn if somebody does something bad, they call the police, right? Right. And I'm not, you know, and I'm not talking about, you know, necessarily where somebody's hurt. I'm talking about, let's say, somebody steals a bicycle, mm-hmm. um, you know, that was owned by a particular office, okay, like, and that was in the office, and then somebody, you know, takes it home. And, you know, of course, like, you know, the office is going to call the police, but then the police might say, well, it sounds like it's more of a civil conflict. Correct. You know, rather than a criminal matter. And the layman who doesn't really understand the law, who's taught that the police can help you with everything, okay, gets very confused. Do do you see that a lot? It's actually, I mean, of course, the people that come to you have already gotten through that. But, like, you know, the police department doesn't really help people as much as people perceive no, I mean, and, and we get a lot of that where you have neighbor disputes you right, know, and right. arguments, you know, with this, this person. I, I actually represented a deputy sheriff who was charged with vandalism for knocking down a wall in between his property and his neighbor because he was widening his driveway that he had gotten permits for. And here the police are called to come out and, and you know, actually look and, and say, well, is this a criminal offense or not? And it took a little bit of showing that, you don't get permits and then commit a criminal defense offense type thing. So people, when they call the police, also don't realize that they then become a witness only. They're not in charge. They're not driving that bus. The police are. And that happens a lot in domestic violence situations where, uh, you know, the police are called and then the person who called them wants them to just leave and they're not going to leave without taking somebody to jail. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, people don't understand. It's amazing to me how people just don't understand the basic system. Right. And, you know, again, and you have the, you know, as my wife reminded me, the, the young boy with the iPad who, you know, was stolen. And, you know, these things have a way of he remembered that, well, I have the Find My iPad app. And that's how I'm going to locate where my iPad is. And then I'm going to call the police to go get it. 
Now, there's a, you know, again, a situation where, you know, a criminal act was done, but the young man was the one who did the investigation and then got the police involved. No, exactly right. So do you think, is it easiest for people to just call you? I mean, Uh, you know, I I mean, when do, when would you say that, and again, we're talking about, you know, John Public, okay? Mm -hmm. Not talking about a business person. You right. know, rather than calling the police, if something happens, should they call you or should they always call the police first? I know that's it's a dip- difficult question because it depends on the situation, but what would you say? Right. If somebody's injured, you, you know, you should always call the police. And, and, you know, that's a different situation. If it's something where, uh, again, like, you know, there's an argument over property, where there's a disagreement, where there's a sort of any business-type dispute involved and the uh, really getting an attorney involved and mitigate and excuse me uh trying to uh arbitrate the situation and get both parties to agree without getting the police involved i think everybody would be a lot happier and the police would be happier i mean they really don't like being called out uh you know I had a situation out here in ventura county where uh the police were called because somebody was actually using a saw on a Sunday, okay, which you can't do out here. Uh, the sheriffs weren't too happy that they got called out on that. I mean, that's something that you walk over and you tell your neighbor, hey, can you stop it? And if they don't, then, you, you know, you try and get somebody involved. You don't, that's not a police situation. So I think John Q. Public needs to think. If I'm going to dial 911, do I want the police here that somebody is going to get arrested and now face criminal prosecution where I'm the witness? I have no control over it. Now I have to basically go to court and explain to a jury or a prosecutor why I called the police and why this is a quote-unquote criminal matter, not a civil matter. So, you know, I think if the police, and the police do have discretion, but they don't, once they're there, once you've called them, they're not babysitters. And they take their job very seriously. Look, I, you know, I give great credit to them. I, I'm not in a job where I feel I'm in danger every day. Uh, I represent some police officers who explain to me that, you know, every day they kiss their wife goodbye and, and don't know whether they're coming back. No, no, so, I, listen, I, this, is not, this is, we really respect law enforcement. Let's make that very, very clear. It's mm-hmm. just that what I'm, what I'm trying to do is give, people don't understand sometimes what their limitations are right and, and they they need to really understand is this something that i can handle or somebody uh, a lawyer can handle for me and not the police and that really it's it's tough when tempers are flaring it's very easy to use the police as leverage but see because these... i know you and be you know and you would be my go-to criminal defense guy okay mm-hmm. you know if you know if David and I should need you, God forbid, okay? But, you know, stuff happens. You know what? If something happened, let's say, you know, I, you know, I accidentally, you know, you know, hurt somebody, you know, and they, I mean, it was an accident, right? I mean, I didn't mean to. I didn't intend to do it. But the person is a person I don't know, and they're a drama queen, right? Right. So, you know. I, I, I just had that situation. I have a... A woman who's very prominent citizen in, in Thousand Oaks who was in a parking lot where somebody on a bicycle started accosting her saying, you hit me, you, you know, you hit my bicycle. Give right, me right. Some well, money. what I would do, I, what, I, what I was going to say, in my situation, because I know you, you would be my first go-to person. 
Right. You know, I you know most people would call the police, but if you have if you are fortunate enough to have, you know, a criminal defense attorney in your circles of influence, I mean, you I wouldn't even call the police. I mean, no, I would have you advise me as to whether I should call the police. And that's that's the smartest thing to do because I can't tell you how many calls I get where it's the the old story, you know, we're trying to close the barn door after the cow has already left. Right, uh, right. They talk so, to the police, they do everything, then they call us and we're like, ah, you didn't I mean, say you that, know, did it's you? Like, it's crazy. Now, look, again, if somebody's like really hurt, really hurt to, you know, I mean, critically, call 911, get an mm-hmm. ambulance. No matter what. Right. You, you know, don't, I mean, don't, right, absolutely. But you you're know. also going to know that you have the right not to talk to the police. You have the right to talk to an attorney and have us, we, we talk legalese because people don't understand that often very innocent things that they say can be misconstrued or manipulated into what the police or the other party wants the, the statement to sound like. And, you know, our job is to protect people. Well, listen, we're at the end of our show. So I want to really thank you. Give your website one more time. One more time. It's- it's www.keglawyers.com. Okay, listen, thank you for your generous time. I think it's very helpful, and you're going to help a lot of people rethink the way they do things, perhaps. And you should know David Kestenbaum for the reasons that we had discussed throughout the course of the show. And we thank need you, David. people like you, Cindy, who handle the crises when our clients do end up in the public. And, and really, I thank you for the, for the book that I'm going to keep in my office so that people know we can manage their crises. When I get you the book, which will be soon. <laughs> All right. Cindy. All right. Well, listen, you take care, and thanks so much, everybody. Have a safe weekend. Happy Easter. Happy Pesach. Everything. Um, spring break. Woohoo! And um, I'll talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Please come back next Thursday and every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern. For more insider information on the world of public relations with Cindy Rakowitz on Stars of PR. See you next week. I am an American Idol. I've got synthetic pistols.